leaders. I want to welcome everybody to our session on authentic conversations with authentic leaders. It's a good fortune for me to have a wonderful friend and guest with us today. For those of you who have been listening in on these podcasts, know that uh, my passion in life's work is about connecting leaders, difference makers in the world who want to make a difference. And my work is to connect with leaders, to connect with their authentic self. And what we're doing is having conversations here with people who have made a difference, people that I respect, authentic leaders in my life. The best part of my work is the people that I meet and the incredible and remarkable individuals who have who are making a difference in the world, who have made a difference, and I just my passion is to shine a light on it. And it's my good fortune to have Jeff Bellman with us today. Now I've got a short bio here, and as uh, as extraordinary as his accomplishments have been. I want to speak from my heart after I read this bio. Jeff has worked inside of major corporations for 14 years before starting his own consulting firm in 1977. His external consulting has focused on renewing large, mature corporations. He's written six books with 300,000 copies in print in a dozen languages. Jeff's consulting and workshop has taken him to five continents. He's served as guest faculty for university graduate programs. Jeff is a charter member of the Woodlands Group, which has been meeting quarterly for 40 years, exploring individual, organizational, and societal change. He's also a founder of the Community Consulting Partnership and lives with his good wife in Seattle. Now, I'll tell you personally about Jeff. I was introduced to Jeff's work in the 1990s and a book that changed my life. It changed my way of thinking about consulting. But it was more, it was a book called The Consultant's Calling, bringing who you are to what you do. But it didn't just change my thinking about consulting, it really changed the way I thought about life. And one of the things that has inspired me about Jeff is how comfortable you are, Jeff, with yourself. And it's my notion that that sense of being at ease with yourself has made a difference in how you have impacted so many people over these past many, many decades. So myself and two other colleagues got on a plane and we flew to Seattle and we spent a day with Jeff. And I'll tell you, we talk in my, in my workshops about defining moments when I take leaders away for four days and I asked them to really define some moments that were life-determining, that really were defining and who, that helped shape who you are today. I can tell you that the day I spent with Jeff Bellman was a defining moment. And what I have been particularly impressed with since, not only are your humility, but your wisdom, your generosity, and your ability to influence so many people. So, Jeff, thank you so much for your willingness to join me today in this conversation with and about authentic leadership. Good. Thanks, Dave. It's good to be with you again. Yeah. Over the years, we've stayed in touch. And uh, yeah, I, uh, I think for all of us that were at that uh, meeting in my house 
years ago, um, uh, there was a defining aspect for each of us in that. So it was wonderful that the three guys from Calgary uh, decided to come down and uh, stay with me and uh, spend that time. Now, Jeff, can you speak, first of all, you just received a significant award in your profession, and I'm wondering if you would just speak uh, to what that award was and what that meant to you to receive that award. Sure. Um, last, last October, um, I received the Organization Development Network's Lifetime Achievement Award, which is um, given to uh, a person or two each year over the years and uh, and has put me in with some really good company. I, uh, I was uh, impressed. Wow, look at the people who've gotten this award. Now I am getting that. That was uh, amazing. Uh, somebody called me some many months before that conference in D.C. where it was awarded and said, uh, a guy called and he said, uh, I'd like to nominate you for this award, but uh, I don't know whether you'd like to receive it or not. And uh, so read about it and then let me know. So I read about the award and uh, the main six, eight bullet points about it, about uh, influencing people in your profession, about being generous in your profession, uh, about writing about it, about significant work with clients, etc. And I finished reading that, and I said, that's who I'd like to be when I grow up. I mean, I really would. Yes, yes, it'd be nice to receive that award. It isn't essential, but it'd be nice. So I called it back and said, yes, um, uh, please do nominate me. I'd feel good about that. And then in the end, I, I ended up receiving it. And... Uh, there were some significant things about that that he didn't know about at the time. Uh, the most significant thing was three or four days after receiving the award, I turned 80. So this award became a kind of capstone to a long career, about 50 years in organization development which included, as you mentioned earlier, Dave, positions inside corporations as well as work on my own since uh, 1977. So, uh, yeah, 50 years in this work, 80 years of life, getting recognition from my peers. Um, that was wonderful. And it really, at 80, Lifetime Achievement is a, a pretty good title uh, for the award. Fit with me. Well, it's well-deserving, my friend, and it's uh, an honor to, to have you sh share your experience in this podcast. Now, in your vast work with leaders in a variety of organizations over these years, can you speak a little bit about the work you have done, in what capacity you've done that work, and what your real philosophy is of leadership, and particularly for the sake of this conversation, Jeff, can you speak to what authenticity, whatever that means to you, and, mm -hmm. and how does 
authenticity influence one's ability to make a difference? And what does authenticity mean? And what does it have to do with leadership? Can you just speak to us about your experience of all that? Is that all? I I can speak to it, but I want to caution you and listeners that uh, here here what what I'm saying as um, useful to listen to and definitely coming out of a bias of my own and a bias that I think has informed um, the more successful parts of my life, not just my working life, but my life. Um, so first to what have I done? Uh, they've mentioned the books that I've written. I'm, I'm pleased about that. I never would have imagined in the early eighties that I'd write six books. Uh, I'm really pleased about that. And the one that he mentioned, the consultants calling, bringing who you are to what you do, a, a very, uh, uh, on target subtitle, um, that, that even today, it was published in 1990 originally, even today it uh, still uh, sells a few books each year. Um, and it represents better than all the other books, I suppose, uh, what I'm talking with you about today. Uh, so the, the work that I've done, I've worked as an internal person, uh, staff manager, staff analyst uh, in three major corporations and um, and I did that uh, before uh, going on my own in the late 70s and, and beginning to consult to organizations much like the ones I'd worked in and had just left. So much of my career was uh, built around work in the corporate sector, mostly consulting to organizations on their directions, helping leaders uh, see alternative perspectives on the work they have to do, the life they have to lead, uh, especially leaders that are struggling a bit with their current perspective. That's one thing I've valued in myself and that others have valued to me is that I bring alternative perspectives to people. I don't choose for people, but I help them think about other ways of doing their work or their life. Um, Yeah, mostly consulting, consulting with large organizations uh, and ideally and often on projects that last for years rather than days. Uh, clients I was with for six years, eight years, 14 years, for example. Um, And I worked on my own. I intentionally did not build a consulting firm with a number of others. Uh, I I worked uh, one man uh, working in this major corporation, uh, helping internal people develop the skills they need to bring about change there to reach the aspirations they hold there so that is i mean is that enough dave about the work that i've done or do you have any questions about it no that's perfect that's perfect and i'm just really curious about that subtitle in that consulting bringing more of who you are to what you do and that whole work of what i would call authenticity you know so now it's a good time to speak to that that's great good good yeah, that's, a, that's both um, 
a noble, wonderful aspiration for me and a challenge. Um, and it's, it, it's to your point, too, about the philosophy of my philosophy of leadership. Um, it's to put it perhaps too simply that um, leadership is, first of all, about leading your own life, leading the life that uh, and being a part of creating the life that you want uh, for yourself and those around you. Uh, so work then becomes a subset of life um, rather than life a subset of work, which is what a lot of people struggle with. Uh, an example of that in my consulting work, this worked for me, but I'm not recommending it for everyone, but it just gives you a taste uh, of what I'm saying here, is that over my 20 most active years of consulting, I averaged uh, 73 work days a year on purpose. I turned away more work than I did. Why? Because there were other things in life important to me besides work. And as an external independent consultant, I had the option of choosing uh, how much I wanted to work. So that meant that um, when um, Sheila and the kids and I moved from Chicago to Seattle, I worked more that year to help pay for that move. I'd already been a consultant for three or four years. That meant when Sheila went to graduate school, I worked less. So I generally worked from, oh, say 40 days a year to 100 days a year, averaging out at 73. So that's an example that a lot of people have told me they'd find very difficult to do, but it's an example of paying attention to the life I want to create for myself, lead the life I want to create for myself, and then subject my work to that. Um, yeah, one, one story that I think is illustrative of that. Um, can I ask a question? Of, can I ask a question about that? So, in order to do that, I have always admired you for not having work be the center of your life. I, I just read a, a a piece by Stephen King who said when he wrote a book, he he when he wrote he never put the his desk in the middle of his office. He put it over to the side because he wanted to remind himself that his writing and his work was not the center of his life. Now, in order to do that, in order to, to be very clear about your values, it takes confidence in oneself to not just buy into what the culture expects, but to, but to live an internal compass. So I'd just be curious at some point to have you re reflect with us, how did you get there? How does one become comfortable enough with themselves to be clear about their values, which is one of the attributes that I give to authentic leaders? And you may, I may be getting ahead of myself by asking that question, but it's a real curiosity for me. Well, uh, first, I don't think I have a good answer, but I'll, but I'll answer it anyhow. I mean, I'm a consultant. That's what I do is help people think about things, help myself think about things. One thing I'm aware of that contributed to uh, when I was in those 
many times when I was leading a more authentic life, being my more authentic self, is because uh, I didn't always do that. But but when I when I am doing it, I'm involved in a a daily inquiry into my life. I'm I'm leading my life intentionally day by day. I'm reminding myself of ways that my life is important to me. I'm reminding myself of what I want to create here. And I'm doing that in little and larger ways each day. One of the ways those books served me, in fact, a primary way the books served me, uh, books, by the way, on consulting, as we know, on um, leadership, on organization change, on team development, on developing a life perspective. Yeah. One of the ways those books served me is they allowed me to explore in eventually in print uh, what was important to me about organizations or teams or leaders or consulting or change or life. They allowed me to do that. So they were part of the discipline of inquiry. Um, so, so that's one thing, daily inquiry. How do you remind yourself each day of what's important to you, okay? Um, a second thing is that, that's very much related to the inquiry is uh, intention. Uh, I'm not so planful, I'm not so goal-oriented as I am intentional. I'm, I'm clearer about the larger direction that I want to move in than I am uh, about the details of it. Like if I were in Calgary, uh, I'm clearer about wanting to go north uh, than I am about whether I go to Edmonton or not. I'm clearer about wanting to explore the beauty of, uh, to explore, explore the world's beauty and the Canadian Rockies, for example. I'm clearer about that than where I'm going to do that or how I'm going to do that. So that, this bit of guidance is useful to me and, and not, maybe not to a lot of your other listeners, but being really intentional about thinking about where you want to go in your life and what you want to gain, and then um, looking into your life daily to see opportunities to do that. I'll stop for a minute there. Well, that's beautiful. That, that, I love that distinction between goals and intention. So goals would be... Uh, specific results, and I and I'm hearing you say that y you you know the bigger picture, you know what values you stand for. Can and and so can you give us an example, Jeff, of what some intentions have been over your life? Because if it sounds like those intentions enable you to not be disappointed. By not resulting in a in a an achievement of some kind of internal standard that you have for yourself, as much yeah. as it is yeah. about enjoying the journey. Yes, and 
Let me say it before giving you an example. Let me elaborate on something you and I have just said. Um, the, the difficulty that I have with goal setting, uh, I'm not declaring that it's never useful, but a difficulty that I have with it is that you're um, often setting out in some specifics to go someplace that you've never been before in your work or in your life. Um, well, why should I know now about where that specific, why should I know enough about that um, specific spot that I'm headed for and that, it, that it's worthy of reaching for? What about just being intending to learn things to move in that direction and to be uh, capable along the way of adjusting to what you meet in the moment so so that what you do as you move as you follow your intentions what you do kind of um emerges um as you deal day to day with the world that greets you as you move toward your intentions um then um, you can make adjustments there you can make adjustments to that. If you have, on the other hand, specific goals set uh, where you're going to be someplace at a certain time, then you get intent on that. Excuse me, I shouldn't use the word intent. You get fixed on that, and you kind of ignore things that are along the way. Uh, like you just touched on, Dave, you ignore the journey, and you get focused on the destination. So that's a consequence to me of goal setting. It does not say never set goals. No, it's just saying a consequence of it is it can narrow you. And uh, a consequence of living by intention is that it can open you up. But you have to, in order to do that, you have to be clear about what your intentions are. So, let's say that now. Uh, any, any questions or comments on that before I go on and try to remember a story? Uh, no, I, it just brings me back to my track days when I was, and I know so well in my own life, the sense of being driven and, and, uh, running, and running in my, this was probably in my, I was in my 20s, and uh, running through a beautiful forest, but I was so set on a goal that I had set for myself to run a particular pace. I was at this time running through Stanley Park in Vancouver, and I remember very specifically, I was with a group of friends who weren't runners, but we were out there, and I went for a run, and, uh, and they, they were all talking. They all went for a walk through Stanley Park, and I went through a run, and they came back and were talking about the beauty of the park. And I was so set on my pace that I was running that I missed the beauty because I was watching my watch because I had a pace to run, and I missed out on the journey. And I think, if I'm understanding correctly, I think that's what you're saying. Yeah, that's a, a wonderful um, demonstration of the consequences of being really focused on a destination versus uh, 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 a larger, a wider uh, intention around experiencing, in this case, Stanley Park. Yeah, and, um, and so the, to focus on the 
what your friends were doing and not what you were doing and and take that to our larger lives is how do we gain some appreciation of the world that we're moving through as we influence it, you know? Um, what this means for leaders in organizations is that um, a leader who's, who's like Dave and, and running against time through Stanley Park and trying to reach a destination is there's a lot of there's a lot that you have to push out of the way as a leader in an organization to reach that destination. It means that you give less um, sympathy to, empathy to, understanding of other people's perspectives on it because you've got a goal. This is a this is a consequence of goals being very important to you. It means other people seeing you as goal driven and um, often less receptive to alternatives that they might offer. Um, yeah, in both cases, in each case, there's a consequence um, to uh, running versus wandering through uh, Stanley Park and running through versus wandering through your life, running through versus wandering through your work. Uh, and I'm making a case for the alternative to running, I'm making the case for wandering because it's underemphasized. Not because running doesn't serve us, but because it does. But it isn't everything. And there are alternative approaches. And, and uh, as I found in my life, you have some control over those approaches. When I set up a business of my own versus working in a business where I'm subject to what others think, I've got choices uh, to make now that I didn't have when I worked for a larger business. But the downside of that is I also have to make those choices and I have to take responsibility by myself. But um, um, I made that choice uh, to go on my own eventually as much as I respected the large organization world uh, and the people in it. So probably enough on that point, but yeah, see what that brings to mind to you, Dave. Well, I, I, the um, the the high driven part of me, and I'm assuming that that's in part of our listeners. Um, the high driven part in me says, "Well, then, how are you going to achieve anything in life if you just set out some intentions to enjoy going north? Um, how how are you really going to make? What if there's a destination that you really want to go to?" And and I, I, th I think the other thing that this brings to mind is is this distraction world that we live in of with social media, and continually allowing ourselves to be bombarded with so much external. I'm just kind of I'm curious as to how that would impact a life of intentions. When, because I, yeah. I'm assuming that what you're saying is that one of your intentions was to be focused on what you're doing in any one particular time, and that it's not exclusion. It's not excluding the need to have some ambitious goals in life, but it's to be aware of what what really is going on within us as we set those goals. I'm not articulating that well, but you, you raise a lot of questions uh, for me, which is what you're a master at. Yeah, yeah. And, and I live, the, the difficulty of um, 
what I'm talking about, besides each of us expressing it well, is um, is living with that and living in knowing that I'm responsible as as much as I can be. I'm responsible for making the decisions in my life. Um, even when I'm in the middle of a large uh, corporation, I chose to be there. How do I exercise my responsibility well? How do I use this position that I hold within the organization to grow myself in my life while I contribute to uh, that organization's success? So, the, um, so that's one aspect. Then a kind of a paragraph on your on your point about destination is I have destinations too, but they they look more like um, go north uh, than like Edmonton. Uh, yeah, they aren't as specific, but they are as compelling. Um, in some ways, even more compelling than more uh, specific goals because I've got the advantage of the excitement that comes with the exploration and finding my way. I've got the excitement that comes with watching my life and my work emerge before me and influencing that um, along the way. Uh, I've got the excitement of each day waking up and saying um, to myself, how, what do I want to do today that moves myself forward? Um, I've got a lot of options here. I'm not limited by a, um, a goal that I set a month ago and uh, declared uh, publicly. Um, no, I can, uh, I know that larger than the goal that I set was my intent to experience something or contribute something. So, as I say all this, I'm thinking about your listeners, and I'm hit, and, and some of them are saying, "What the hell is he talking about?" It is a, it was a, this way of thinking was a foreign to me uh, in the early part of my career. But gradually, as I watched the corporations that I worked for uh, as an employee and later as a consultant, as I watched them work on strategies and goals and operational plans, I recognized that the most important element of that work uh, that they did on, in those planning realms was that they were doing it together. Often the goals, the plans, the strategies went on the shelf until next year when they repeated the process. But the journey, the process of working on that fed the dynamic among them, fed the understanding among them, and it was more important than the goals that emerged, than the outputs that emerged uh, from the planning process. So that's a, a kind of a, a corporate counterpart to what I do individually is uh, in corporations, I help them explore, to think larger about what do we want to create around here. And um, I'm thinking of an example from, a, um, actually from Eminem Mars, uh, some years back where I went to a, into a planning session with, uh, with the management committee at one of their larger plants and we, we went into the session with the intent of building a, 
a strategic plan together. And uh, we emerged three, four days later, retreat location. Those were the days. <laughs> three or four days later, we emerged not with a strategic plan, but with an intention to, over the next 12 years, uh, recreate the plant into a place that um, uh, honors the latest technology uh, available and honors the need for the six, 800 people in the plant to find this work uh, meaningful in their lives. So how do we recreate the work of this plant so more people are finding more meaning about it? And we move forward on that project. I think I worked on that project maybe five years, something like that. Yeah. Um, but but the, back to the meeting itself and the retreat, we went in with a traditional expectation of creating a strategic plan, and we emerged with an intention to recreate the plant that they then took back to all plant employees and, and engaged them in thinking about, do we really want to do this? So I'll stop there for a minute. It reminds me of a, this is very inspiring. It reminds me of a coaching session that I actually, um, I learned from mo probably more than I offered because, you know, uh, he, the, the presenting problem was that he wanted to um, be strategic, more strategic as a leader. But he actually came up with a vision of what his intention is. What, this is the kind of environment that I really just am committed to create. And then he went to his team and he got his team to help create that uh, together and elaborate on it and build on it. And this is what we're really committed to together. And it, it's really changed the whole environment there as opposed to working on a set of goals. I, I'm just... I just didn't, we didn't articulate it in quite those words, but this is helping me articulate it. How does this, yeah. when, when you work from a sense of intention as a leader, how does that impact your capacity to influence as opposed to coming into that relationship as a leader with a set of goals? Whether you're a parent, a mid-manager, a CEO, um, a, a, a a, you know, a, a, a community leader, what, what, by having intentions, how does that impact your ability to influence people? Well, first thing that comes to mind is, uh, at least in my frame on intentions, is intentions are larger than goals. Um, intentions are not... Uh, uh, I'm speaking of the leader's personal intentions and what he or she wants out of their life and how work relates to that. So it defines a, if we use a game analogy, it defines a larger game, a life game versus a work game. Then uh, uh, also this means uh, thinking about things more philosophically, more spiritually, more developmentally, thinking about yourself in those ways, and then looking at work in relation to that. Uh, of course, at work, uh, if you're working in a larger organization, they're going to want to know a lot more than your intentions. 
they have. But the goals that they have are define some of the critical elements of the work game. Your intentions, your life intentions are larger than that. This means you're playing a game that is bigger than uh, the work that you're doing. You're trying to serve a game where you're trying to win for yourself, uh, not just for others. The work game is defined more in terms of winning for the organization and you as a subset. Uh -uh. This is flipping that on its head and you uh, defining as best you can what you intend to get out of this life and how work serves that. As I talk about this, I'm, remind, I'm taken back to a one book I wrote is called uh, Getting Things Done When You're Not in Charge. And, and that, what I just expressed, is the key, at least it served me and it served many others, the key to getting things done when you're not in charge uh, is to play a game where you are more in charge, play a life game, rather than define yourself as a subset of somebody else's game. I say that in great respect for other people's games, for corporate games, school games, church games, all those. I, I have a great deal of respect for those, but I need to know who I'm becoming here as best I can. By the way, I'm always a work in progress. I still, at 80 years of age, I still struggle with all this stuff. Who am I now? Who am I becoming? What have I built from the past that I can use well as I grow into my new future? What role is important to me at this age, at this time in my life, as contrasted to other times when I was more deeply involved in traditional work? Well, this is inspiring. And there's so many different paths. I'm, I'm beginning to be aware, oh, I have so many different directions. I, I'd like to steer this conversation. But I, I'm, uh, I'm reminded of being intentional in this conversation rather than goal-oriented, which says let's just see where, where this evolves to. And, uh, you know, my, my overall intention is to, to help our listeners understand the relationship between who you are and how you lead. And, you know, my notion, Jeff, is that leadership is not a title. It's, you don't get promoted to being a leader. You, 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 get prom you, know, you might get promoted to being a boss, but leadership is something mm -hmm. that comes from who you are as a person. And one of the reasons why I have been drawn to work with you over the years is just by your presence. And when you, whenever, I, whenever you came up here to Calgary to facilitate workshops, I didn't even care. And when I came down to Seattle to sit through, we did that retreat together on Whidbey Island. And frankly, I didn't even care what the topic was. I just wanted to be around you uh, because your presence, your presence was, was attractive. And so I, I guess my question is, unless there's anything else you wanted to explore on the philosophy philosophical underpinnings of leadership and authenticity, I'm very curious at this stage in the conversation, how does one get to the point where you develop that presence? What, what were your, were they defining moments? Um, were there stories that come out? One or two really clear 
defining moments that made you who you are, mentors you worked with? Is there, a, is there an explanation for how or a story for how you got this philosophy, where you came from in, in your present, in your journey uh, to be at this to be at this point. Yeah, yeah. Um, boy, that's a tall order. Let's see. Um, half a lifetime ago, when I was around forty, before forty, um, I was uh, not not in crisis, but certainly in consternation about. What the hell is this life amounting to? And, um, and I demonstrated well enough to myself and to many others that I could succeed uh, on other people's terms, uh, meaning I could succeed within a large corporation, be recognized for that. But, um, but that didn't necessarily... That didn't always feed me. There was something more, and I, I, uh, I really thought that being director of a department, I thought that that would give me more fulfillment um, than it actually did. And um, I did at that time. I did a significant amount of work with a guy named Stan Herman. He was a GE graduate and a Gestalt uh, therapy, Gestalt Institute Cleveland graduate. And, uh, and what do you know related to today? He wrote a book titled Authentic Leadership. Old book, old thought. Reads kind of like the 70s now, but good thoughts. Some people that are listening to this today would really value Stan's book. And so um, I, I did workshops with Stan. Sheila, my wife, and I did a workshop or two with Stan. Um, I ran out of workshops to do with him, and I called him one day and said, I'd like to do more work with you. I don't know how to do this, but um, anyhow, we came to agreement that uh, I'd, I'd go to Escondido, California. Stan said, I'm building a new house. Uh, how about you come down? You work on the house in the mornings, and I'll work on you in the afternoons. <laughs> so we did that for about about three weeks, and crazy, unstructured, challenging, tear-filled, wonderful times. Uh, working with Stan, facing myself in the mirrors. Sitting in the middle, sitting in a circle in the desert in the middle of the night, uh, all, staying awake all night long. Um, yeah. Oh, just so many aspects to that that uh, challenged me and grew me. And 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 as the title of his book indicates, with authentic leadership, Stan's pursuit was my authenticity. He didn't care what it was. He wasn't prescriptive on what it should be about, but he was prescriptive on finding it. And I, and I hired him to help me find out more about that. Uh, turns out that a lot of that was about um, 
freeing myself from the shackles that I'd put on myself in, in my life, my professional life, especially thus far. Um, I'd chosen to enter other people's games, uh, and I'd chosen to uh, participate by their rules. And in the process of doing that, I, I grew more distant from less aware of what my own rules were and what my own game was. So Stan really helped me uh, get greater clarity on that. Uh, I, vis I have not seen him in years. I visited him over the years. I, I don't know where he is right now. But, um, yeah, so that's one place that I can think of that, uh, yeah, that I'm comfortable talking about here. There are other there are other things that happened to me that where I'm not comfortable talking about here, but it has to do with just uh, um, delving into my darker side, my the side I don't want to acknowledge to you now. That turns out to have had a great deal of power in it, giving me power, more power in my own life. Anything, to briefly put it, anything that we're denying about ourselves, uh, not looking at about ourselves, that doesn't make that part of yourself go away. In fact, it makes you ignorant of it, distant from it. It's still operating, though, whether you know it's there or not. And so looking into my shadow side, uh, Stan helped on that too, looking into my shadowy side, uh, not my wonderful accomplishment, side that I present to the world, but the side that I don't want the world to know about, uh, that was immensely empowering. Well, thank you, my friend. I, I know that uh, this is a, has been a, something that I've learned a great deal from you in terms of opening up the shadowy side of yourself. And if for listeners that want to go in more depth with this, you explain this process quite eloquently in your book, Your Signature Path, Gaining New Perspectives on Life and Work, was very impactful right. to me. You've got some great exercises in there to go deeply into this whole shadow work. Well, Jeff, this... Thanks th for that reminder. I've forgotten about that. <laughs> yeah. Well, this, this conversation has been very nourishing, and like life, it's incomplete. I want to be able to put a bow on it and, and have it all packaged up with all the answers to life's problems in it. And uh, that, you know, you remind me that life is not like that. I, I'll tell you, though, I could spend the day in conversation gleaning your wisdom and your perspective. And I, I, I discovered only after I was listening to you how nervous I was, actually. I was anxious about... Uh, interviewing somebody, and not, I, I don't even like to use the word interview, but having conversation with someone that I have such respect for uh, created a little, bit of, uh, a little bit of my own nervousness. So uh, I, I just want to just express that. And I just want to, just in conclusion here, just ask you, Jeff, is there anything that, as much as it's impossible to tie this all together with a, with a nice little package, are there any concluding thoughts that you would like to share with our listeners around what does it really mean to be an authentic leader and how does one amplify their impact, which is what I'm really passionate about. My life's work is around helping people amplify leaders who want to make a difference. How do, how do you do that by amplifying your, uh, your authentic self? 
by connecting with your authentic self. Any concluding thoughts that you might have as we wrap this up and bring it to a conclusion? Um, one is uh, be patient with yourself, okay? Uh, you're not done yet. You're, you're, you're in the middle of life and there's a lot ahead of you and there's a lot um, that you will do uh, and you don't need to, do not perfect yourself. You will never be perfect. Perfection is a, is a dream, not a reality. Lean toward your better self. Watch yourself. Watch for your progress. Pay attention to how, in terms of your life game, how you are um, making, making progress in who you are becoming. Um, and don't, don't blame yourself deeply when you screw something up. You are going to screw things up. Why, sh why shouldn't you? You've never been here before. Um, learn, that's called learning. At least it's the opportunity for learning. So accept, your, accept that part of yourself that doesn't uh, perform that well. So measure yourself more in terms of progress on what's important in your life game than accomplishment in your uh, work game. Yeah, love yourself as you are now. Love yourself as you are, and it will help you love other people as well and build your relationships with them. Well, Jeff, thank you. Uh, thank you for your wisdom, your thoughts, your perspective on life. And your, your sense of humanity is what comes through for me today. Your sense of, of uh, you know, compassionately seeing your humanness and then allowing that humanness to come out in our work, whatever, whatever we feel called and compelled to, compelled to do. But it's, it's compelling to spend time with you, and I just am nourished by this uh, uh, brief... Uh, albeit, though, a very, very stimulating conversation today. So, Jeff, I thank you so much for your time today and to share this with our uh, listeners. You're most welcome, and thanks for asking, Dave.